Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League landscape. I'm Steven Serta. I hope everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving. We had the week off, so we've got a ton to talk about, and we're ready for it. Uh, there's been a ton going on across the NFL, and we're really excited to get to it on today's show. I do have to remind you guys that NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. As I mentioned, we're going to try to figure out uh, what's going on uh, atop the NFC a little bit and the uh, continued issues of some of those teams, as well as discuss the Red Hot Patriots who continue to cook. They've got a huge matchup this week against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but before we get going, I got to welcome in Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., uh, before we talk football, do you guys want to share your Spotify rap list or is there anything you need to get off your chest about that first? Justice? Uh, I use Apple Music almost exclusively to listen to like Flo Millie, but I use Apple Music. <laughs> so I do use Spotify. I switched at the end of last year um, just because so I can have a rap list, honestly. Um, I like So you Spotify. can take the screenshots? You know it. <laughs> no, uh, I think Spotify is better. Um, I mean, we can have an, a whole entire argument about that, but um, nope. Just um, neither of them are paying us, so right. I don't so want to say the, anything too nice about them. Ah, there we go. I like yeah, that. And you know, on t days like today where everybody's talking about their lists, I was sitting around thinking about it, and I was like, I listen to so much weird stuff. I don't really need something to tell me how much time I spent listening to obscure music yeah. and, and podcasts yeah. this year. So I, I don't need that in my life. But let's get to the football. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams have dropped three games in a row after looking like they could be the top team in the NFC. Uh, Matthew Stafford has a laundry list of injuries, apparently, that he's dealing with at the moment. I, I feel like we go through this with the Los Angeles Rams and Sean McVay every year, whether it's Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford, where... McVay kind of gets set in his ways and, and there's numbers to back it up and proof that say his offenses tend to slow down as the season goes on. Now the expectation was that with a player like Matthew Stafford, that's not going to happen this year, right? You're too good. You've got too many talented skill players. You add Odell Beckham who had a long touchdown in their last game and they're still having a lot of issues for the Rams. Like this was a team that we talked about as possibly the best team in football and they could still certainly be that if Matthew Stafford gets healthy and starts playing well, but they've got issues right now. Like they've got deeper rooted issues than just Matthew Stafford's injuries because they just haven't looked like a very physical football team and they're getting beat pretty easily the last three weeks. 
Yeah, and I'll let Justice take this because he covers the Packers and they play the Rams, but they were coming off a bye week and they played like this. That's probably one of the biggest concerns. They had the sack fumble to start the game. When you turn the over, when you turn the ball over against anybody, you're going to give a point. If you turn the ball over against Aaron Rodgers, it's just a death wish. You can just write six points on the board. They went for it on fourth and one, which I didn't mind. I actually like that, and I wish we would do that more. Um, we should have punters and kickers in the game. That's a whole other argument. Um, if they ended up giving up a field goal, so I didn't think it was a big deal after that, and they came back and scored a touchdown. But you had I mentioned the inter. Uh, the fumble from Stafford. You also had the interception and they just had some really wonky turnovers in that game or just bad luck. They didn't seem prepared. What the real question is though, what we need to talk about is that defense after the second half, after halftime gave up a long drive to the Packers. And it really didn't seem like they got stops until the Packers were just kind of conceding when it was field position time. So uh, Justice, what do you think about just the Rams approach against the Packers? I think Stafford's just banged up, man. Like, I think I think that solves a lot of the questions that we have. I, I understand, like, the general McVeigh trends where it's, like, first half of the year looks great, second half of the year doesn't look so great. There's also a McVeigh team – or, like, a coach who took the team to the Super Bowl, so it's not like they completely fall off a cliff. I will say, like, if you think about the evolution of this Rams offense – it kind of like explains why like that's not the case right now. Like they used to be like a jet motion outside zone boot action team, right? Like those were basically like their three staple plays that kind of got figured out with the, uh, the way new England played them in the super bowl. Right. Then they start running duo. Cause it's like a way to kind of like counter outside zone with like the same type of look duo is basically just like down blocks on the front side of the run blocking play. Um, so I think that's kind of been figured out too. But now they're like a totally different team. I mean, they're 11 personnel in the gun, like progression passing team. I think the fall off right now is just Stafford. Stafford's hurt, man. And like he's had those chronic back issues since his time in Detroit. Um, I'm not surprised that they leaked all that stuff. It seems like if it didn't get right after a bye week, like probably not going to get right. And I, I, I don't think that this is the only quarterback situation where we're seeing a quarterback basically – return to the field too soon i mean look at seattle look at cleveland i think all three of these teams are dealing with quarterback injuries that are drastically influencing like what they look like on the field um defensively you talked about you know the rams kind of got cut up a little bit um next gen stats had all those stats after the game where it was like the packers have never been in the gun as much as they were against this rams defense and i think it makes sense right like the packers when they're under center they're a boot action team you probably don't want Aaron Rodgers with his back to the defense when, you know, Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller are uh, pinning their ears back and Jalen Ramsey can be, you know, anywhere when Aaron Rodgers turns his eyes back to the defense. Um, so I guess if, like, you can just throw at will on those guys who aren't named Jalen Ramsey, right, right. Um, that's kind of a way to beat the Rams. And if they aren't clicking offensively, like, all right. I, if you look at those Stafford passing stats too – a lot of those are influenced by two plays, right? That huge shot play to Van Jefferson early on, and then that OBJ shot play. Um, outside of that, they didn't really get that much done. There was a point where I think Stafford was like two of nine for like 15 yards or something like that right before the Van Jefferson shot play. So if you're just looking at like a per play average, I don't think it works out the same way as like if you're looking at that game. The, also, the other thing too is the game isn't nearly as close um, as the scoreboard said, like the Packers were up like 19 points, I think at one point, um, the Rams just kind of closed it down once it was like, yeah, the game's out of hand. Right. 
And that's what I was talking about when the, they were just conceding field position. I believe the right. Packers punted on like their last three or four possessions. Um, it would have been nice to know about these Stafford injuries before I bet the money line. That would have been very that's the nice other thing. Like I thought, I thought we were supposed to have injury reports so that like we could accurately <laughs> gamble on these games. What the hell is going on? Why are we hiding injuries? I didn't realize this. It took two weeks to get the injury out of Aaron Rodgers. The Matthew Stafford stuff doesn't come out until after a bye week, the morning right. of a game. Like, what the, what the hell are we doing here? So about the defense, about the Rams defense, they on that 15, 13 play drive, whatever it was, out of the half, they only had two third downs on that drive. The Packers did. That just tells you they're not getting any kind of stops on that side of the ball, and that is an issue because you mentioned Ramsey. Who else in the secondary are you afraid of right now? Are you afraid of Taylor Rapp, who is a converted what, like, He's played safety, but when you watch him in college, you never really got the feeling that he's a coverage guy. Darius Williams played out of his mind last year. His cornerback play is just the most fickle thing in the game. It's not going to be – you're not going to be able to carry that over year to year. That's what makes Jalen Ramsey Jalen Ramsey. Darius Williams this year is allowing a completion percentage of 60%. He has not taken the ball away, man. When you don't do that, you can't get off the field, and that's what defense is about in today's game. It's about turnovers and timely stops, and they're not doing either of those. And they got to figure out how to make Jalen Ramsey travel with guys because they had Jalen Ramsey playing outside. They pushed it, it was a crucial third down. They pushed DeGuara outside, and Jalen Ramsey had to travel with DeGuara. They got a one on one Devontae Adams with uh, Dante Dion, who was on the injury report all week. And it was just instant shot play. Like, you can't have those type of things happen. Like, Jalen Ramsey, you have to cover Devontae Adams when he's on the ball on third down. Like, he's going to get the shot play there. They, they got to know better than that. And I don't know if that's like a, you know, they have a new defensive coordinator, obviously. Um, maybe that's something that they got to kind of like learn trial by fire. Maybe they're better next season, but like Stafford's not getting any younger. And if he has chronic back issues, dude, like we've seen this in Detroit, like, is this going to get better? Can he play a full season? You know, we've seen guys like, look at like Kyler, right? Kyler does this every year. He starts the year off hot then he's just hurt and it's like can this dude play you know now 17 games plus a playoff run i don't i don't know yeah and you know with with the rams defense like jalen ramsey should be traveling with number one wide receivers and i understand that schematically like some defensive coordinators don't want to do that but when jalen ramsey is the best cornerback in football like pound for pound and the rest of your secondary is super questionable. Jalen Ramsey should be on Devontae Adams. Like that's also the Packers like have one receiver. Yeah. Who, like, yeah. They, have one, they have one guy who's exceptional and reliable. And yeah. that should be the guy you were trying to shut down each and every week. Like that that seems like it's an easy conclusion to come to. And as far as Matthew Stafford goes, like this is coming off the bye. So if we're just finding out about all of these injuries that you're dealing with right now coming out of a bye week, I'm going to have to assume that you're going to be dealing with those the rest of the year. And that's concerning if you're a Rams fan, if you're expecting this team to go on a Super Bowl run. And we know as an organization they've pushed all their chips in and they're hoping to make a run this year. And I think they're certainly one of the most talented teams in football and capable of doing that. But, man, I'm worried about – Worried about that back in December and January once they start playing on some of these cold football fields. I, I think you have to be a little bit worried about Stafford. I, I do want to talk about Rodgers and the Packers and that infamous toe injury that 
maybe he's going to have surgery on. Maybe he's not. He doesn't know yet. He, he's kind of letting everybody, everybody know it's hurt, but he hasn't decided yet what he's going to do about it. They continue to win. Uh, they did lose a game a couple of weeks ago to the Minnesota Vikings, but it kind of came down to a last second field goal. And the Packers look like they are one of the best teams in football right now. I don't know that I'm there just yet. Like I think Matt LaFleur is great. I think Aaron Rodgers is obviously great when they're, when they're playing well and their running game is, is playing a lot better with Aaron Jones is back now. And AJ Dillon looks like he is a baller when he gets a, a full running back one type of workload. But I feel like this Packers team, I feel like I've been here with this team before, I think. Because as we just mentioned, like once you get into the postseason, once you get into the playoffs, those good teams, those other postseason teams are just going to say, okay, we'll just take away Devontae Adams. And they're not going to do what the Rams did last week and not shadowing him with Jalen Ramsey. And so I feel like I keep coming to the same conclusion with this Packers team that I have with the past Packers team that I don't trust them once it comes to play on time. I think the big thing is like they have an actual defense now. And like, I know the stats sometimes are like a little weird. Basically they like rally to the ball and they they're conceding the run game to a certain extent. Like they're not going to give up explosives. Um, They're not going to get tackles for loss. That's kind of the trade-off there, but the Packers defense is a whole lot better with, you know, Devondre Campbell who, now he's on the COVID list, but, you know, they're on a bye week, so he's probably not going to miss a game um, unless, you know, something drastic happens between now and then. I don't know. I, I'm kind of bought into this team, frankly, and they're going to get Zadarius Smith potentially back. They're probably going to get uh, Jair Alexander back. They're going to get David Bakhtiari back. Like, those are three key players that they haven't had basically this entire season, and they're going to get all of them back for this for this run. I, I think this team is good. Um 538 right now has them as the highest team in terms of Super Bowl odds at 17%. I, I'm in. I'm in. The one team that I worry about them beating in the uh, NFC, it's Tampa, man. It's Tampa. And I think, you know, San Francisco, the way that they're playing recently, they might be able to, like, bully them enough that I think San Francisco is a tricky one. Um, but in terms of them competing the NFC, they've already beat Arizona, right? They – they can beat the Cowboys in the way that they're structured right now. They've already beat the Rams. They beat San Francisco, but I, I think that was a little bit of a wonky game um, just because Jimmy missed a couple shots that were wide open. Um, but, yeah, I, I believe in the Packers. The big question is just, like, what? how healthy are the Bucks going to be once playoff time comes around? Because I don't think this Bucks team cares nearly much as much about the regular season as they do, like, we're, we're here to win rings. We're not here to, you know, get the one seed type of thing. Yeah, and I, I do want to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, who all of a sudden have lost three in a row. And, you know, going against the Chiefs, there was kind of some weird circumstances surrounding this. You know, they lost Randy Gregory, who went to injured reserve. They're waiting to get Demarcus Lawrence back. Tyron Smith has been injured uh, for a good majority of the season. And then right before that game, Amari Cooper tested positive for COVID-19 because... He is unvaccinated. He had to miss that game and miss the next one as well. And then CeeDee Lamb left that game with a concussion. So we've seen this Cowboys offense that when it's fully healthy, we know this is one of the best offenses in football without a doubt. But we've seen them kind of start to struggle. And it's looking like Amari Cooper is going is going to be activated from the COVID list today. So he is going to play for them on Thursday night football this week. But all of a sudden, I was feeling confident about the Cowboys. Like, I really thought this was the best team. This was the year 
Dak was going to get over the hump and, and finally look like, okay, we are without a doubt the best team in football. We can score with anybody. Our defense might give up yards, but we can create turnovers. And Micah Parsons looks like he is absolutely unstoppable. Now, all of a sudden, this thing is kind of falling apart. And, and I'm questioning I'm questioning where the Cowboys are at right now. I'm not questioning Dak Prescott so much. So I guess I'm questioning the, the makeup of the team and, and what they can do moving forward, especially in the postseason, because they have not looked very good the last few weeks. I think the biggest thing is Tyron. Tyron being out, man. Like when Terrence Steele is in there, there's just such a huge difference. And I think that kind of goes to um, how valuable Tyron is and like what the value of like an elite left tackle, especially as a pass protector, can be. Because when Steele is in there, they're a totally different team. That offense can sputter out. When Tyron's in there, it's like they're automatic. Like there's just nothing you can do. They have backs. They have receivers. Um, Dalton Schultz is probably one of the more underrated tight ends in the league. Dak Prescott looks like he's, you know, Drew Brees at peak Drew Brees. The difference really, I think, is when Tyron is in or out. So hopefully he can get healthy. But Tyron's always kind of been banged up, you know, over the course of his career. And it seems like most of their skill players are banged up too. So Zeke, it's they were talking about, you know, lessening his workload, um, which Tony Pollard really freaking good. Might want to give Zeke a week off or two. Uh, I think you'll be okay if you were to do that. But yeah, Amari, he's sounds like he's going to play. But some of those preseason takes about the Cowboys from myself have been validated over the last couple of weeks, overcoming <laughs> Mike McCarthy, and then Dan Quinn, single high Dan Quinn, getting his defense into a rut. It's really hard to play defense the way that they're structured to play defense. You have to have some really good players. I want, I hope, I'm crossing my fingers that they leave Micah Parsons at edge rusher, let him play there, just let him develop. If he's already playing at this level, basically overnight, not having any sort of practice, not having, not knowing what to do, um, he's probably going to turn out to be a really special player. But they're having to overcome so many different parts of that team. Um I, I just don't know if Mike McCarthy will put them in a situation. I, I just feel like he's going to cost them possessions when it counts, and they're going to end up losing. Mike's going to be out this week, which, like, might end up helping them. And it might – dude, Kellen, like, Kellen might be out next year. Like, they're going to have to make a decision of, of, like, who matters more here, Mike or Kellen? Because Kellen's going to get, you know, interviews for head coaching jobs. The Dan Quinn thing, the Dan Quinn – like – you can put a lot of the Kansas City loss on the shoulders of Dan Quinn, I thought. Like, the, the book was out there. Play pay, play uh, Patrick Mahomes in, like, a too-high structure. Make him take the checkdowns. We talked about this at nauseum throughout the season of, like, Andy Reid doesn't want to, like, commit to, like, going quick game, run game, RPOs. And Why Dan would Quinn you? Just, like, no, before, you, before you go on, like, knowing his personnel, there's no reason he should want to do that. So you have to force his hand. Yes. You have evidence of forcing his hand, but go ahead because yeah, he didn't and do that. And Quinn was like, yeah, that. let's just go back to the old defenses. And, like, <laughs> yeah, that's what made Patrick Mahomes look like an MVP, bud. Like, you can't, you can't be doing that. Um, so, yeah, they're just a mess. The, the other thing I want to note, so this is about college football, but Virginia Tech just hired uh, Penn State's defensive coordinator to take over as a head coach. He's the same defensive coordinator who got nothing out of Owe, who now looks like one of the better, you know, rookie pass rushers in recent memory. And he played Mike, Micah Parsons out of position yeah. at Penn State. So this is the dude taking over for Virginia Tech. And, like, we have t evidence of, like, NFL coaches instantly getting way more out of these Penn State guys than he ever got out of them at Penn State, which, like, ugh. That's maybe maybe, maybe not a great hire.
If Go they pull. move Micah Parsons from edge rusher, it's straight up coaching malpractice. Like, no, dude has been just unstoppable playing in a position that he wasn't really drafted to play. Like he has been absolutely insane. So you're going to be a rich man in three years. Yes. Please do not. Yeah, if, you're, if you're Micah, like, I don't even think you let him. You're like, right. dude, no, I'm seeing dollar signs. Linebackers yeah, I'm, aren't getting I'm paid the same way edge rushers are. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm him, I'm like, no, that's where I play now. Like that is that is what I do because that is going to make me a a rich rich football player. I I do want to talk about the Bucks uh, real quick. They've been struggling a lot, and I, I kind of agree with what Justice was saying uh, about Tampa Bay. Where like every question mark that I feel like I have about the Packers, Cowboys, Rams, I feel like I don't have those question marks about the Bucks if they're healthy. Because I feel like a lot of their struggles right now are because they've had a lot of injury problems this season. And they're just now getting Gronk back. And Gronk looks like a force again. Like he looks like New England, Brady connection, Rob Gronkowski. And it's unlikely that Antonio Brown's going to be available again. But early on in the season, he was looking almost like vintage Antonio Brown. And that passing offense looked like it was virtually unstoppable. And this defense isn't, as bad as they've looked, I think they're just really banged up. Like I still tend to believe even in a game where they struggled against the Colts a little bit and they kind of got things going in the second half. Like I still tend to believe that Tampa Bay, like when they're healthy, if they get healthy at the right time, it'll be similar to last year. They've got just as strong a chance as anybody to go on a run and just make it to another Super Bowl because it's Brady and they're a really talented football team. Yeah. I think this is a case where both things can be true. This last game, they were fortunate to play Carson Wentz, and they probably don't come back against another team the way that the Colts were playing the game, running the ball. But at the same time, the Tampa Bay, they were able to do whatever they wanted to on offense. Gronk is like a top five tight end because, of course, in 2021, they when they get A.B. back, I think they are going to be really dangerous. And when, when Justin is talking about how they don't care about the regular season, I think they can afford to, or in their mindset, they're putting – Dean, Jamel Dean, their cornerback on the injured reserve right now to get him right when it matters in January. And that's why they're probably, you know, slow playing it with AB too, because you don't want him to come back, maybe reactivate something, maybe coming back too soon. As we talk about for Stafford, Russ, and some of the other players where uh, they just want to be healthy when it matters. And they have so much firepower, man, that, uh, yeah, they're going to be tough to beat. I, I think they're the best team in the NFC for sure. And they're like a veteran team too. Like it's not surprising that this team is the one that's like, hey, we're banged up a little bit. We got to take some of these injuries slow. Um, to your point, like AB, dude, he's a different, he's a difference maker on the field. Like 100%. look at look at Roethlisberger with and without Antonio Brown. Like there's just such a big difference. You're seeing it too with uh, Tom Brady, which is probably why you know even though AB was going through all the stuff that he was going through. Tom Brady was an advocate for him, you know, in New England and in Tampa. Um, he helps him on the field, man. And I, th I think if this team is able to get fully healthy, it's just very hard to stop like a power running football team with a good offensive line. They're very who, good at that too, by the way. Who their 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 constraint is? Yeah, we have Tom Brady who can throw to you know Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Rob Gronkowski, like. That's a hell of a counterpunch, man. That's a hell of a counterpunch. So as long as that defense gets healthy and they get AB back, I think they're a real contender. Um, it might not show up in terms of like the standings, but 
they don't have those players every single game. So like, it doesn't really project moving forward. So you're going to play Tampa Bay, probably like the Colts do, like where you want to, and it might not always be covered to you, but like with a too high shell like that, knowing that Fournette had it 17 carries, had a 76% success rate and 49% of his carries went for a first down. What are, how are you going to stop that? Knowing that they yeah, can run man. the ball or you have all these dudes on the outside with Tom freaking Brady throwing the ball. It's going to be tough to slow these dudes down, man. Uh, all of a sudden they're throwing the football to Lenny too. Like he's dual yeah. threat Lenny now. Like he's not, he's not just plotting Leonard Fournette. Like all of a sudden he he's added some pass catching to his game and their offense when it's healthy. And when the defense is healthy, I think the defense is good enough. And the offense is upper echelon offense in the NFL that anybody would struggle to stop. And so I'm still really confident that the Bucs can figure things out as they try to get healthy throughout the regular season. This happened, I believe, like right before the Thanksgiving break. The, and we we talked about it in the chat a little bit, We but we didn't get a chance to talk about it on the podcast. Taysom Hill inks the most inexplicable contract I've ever seen in my entire life, uh, making him the richest special teams player in NFL history, I would have to imagine. But there's a chance that he's going to start for the New Orleans Saints this week. Trevor Simeon obviously has not been very good. The Saints offense uh, has totally fallen off a cliff. They're dealing with a ton of injuries themselves, but Trevor Simeon's just not the answer, and we know that. Uh, but they gave Taysom Hill this contract in case he might be the answer, and apparently he's been dealing with an injury. They're hoping to get him healthy so he can be the starting quarterback moving forward the rest of the season. Like I feel like we've seen enough of this experiment. <laughs> like Taysom Hill's not a good starting NFL quarterback, but for some reason New Orleans is just scared to rebuild, I think, and they're trying to capitalize with the talent that they still have. So they just keep throwing money at Taysom Hill. I, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. I, I'm hoping you guys have some type of explanation that I've never thought about. And I'm like, okay, maybe that means something. I, I have no idea why they keep paying this guy money. Well, if you look at his contract on over the cap, everything that you're saying is going to happen next year too. He's guaranteed $10 million in 2022. What are, what are you doing? Why? So the way his contract's played out is he doesn't have any guaranteed money after 2022. Well, you didn't need to give him any guaranteed money next year. Uh, he's probably not going to be your starting quarterback. If he is, if you're planning on Taysom Hill to be your starting quarterback going into a fresh season, then you have some big issues. I don't know, man. I, I figure maybe he needs to be active to trigger some of these clauses in his contract or why he's getting paid. Nothing about this makes sense because we haven't really seen him produce in any level to be like in the middle of the season when you are supposedly in a playoff run. You know what we should do right now? Let's give Taysom Hill a new contract. It, it's tough for me to figure out. It's tough for me to wrap my brain around. Um, maybe, Justice, you have an answer because I do not. I mean, short of him, you know, knowing about Sean Payton's second family or something like that. <laughs> I, I don't really get it either. The other thing, too, like, Trevor Simeon isn't their planned starting quarterback. That's not the math that they should be doing. Like they have Jameis Winston on the roster. Right. What What are we doing here? Jameis is a better quarterback than Taysom is. So like, even if Taysom does look half decent, um, moving forward, you know, he looks like an average NFL quarterback or something like that. And maybe you're getting him a little bit below average in terms of like market rate for a starting NFL quarterback. You still have a chance to bring back Jameis Winston next year. 
why wouldn't you just run that back instead of Taysom? Like, how good does Taysom have to play to earn a starting quarterback job in 2022? I think it's like through the roof. So a playoff run, right? It seems very unrealistic to me. And New Orleans already was in a position where, you know, they they were in a very good position to go and make the playoffs already when Jameis was hurt. So all they can be doing right now is fumbling it, right? So I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't I don't really get it. I, I don't get the Taysom Hill thing. I mean So you, you talk about if he plays well for the rest of the season. If he plays well, it'll probably be because of his freaking head coach and not because of him, right? Like it'll be because he's able to scheme whoever wide receiver X is or whoever no name Z is like because they don't have to throw to. Yeah. yeah, like they don't have anybody to throw to. So what are they expecting here? Is he going to be like this smash mouth power runner? Are they going to just transform their offense overnight because that's all they got? I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like this is Sean Payton just saying, I can do it. I, I can pull it off with anybody. I can, I can win football games and, and maybe not wanting to go through the struggles of like a j- legitimate two to three year rebuild. Cause I think that's what the saints should probably do unless they go out and get Russell Wilson or something in the off season. But like, I, I think that's kind of the point that they're at, but like, I'm just thinking back to what we saw from Taysom Hill as a starter last year. And like, he was effective, I guess, you know, in, in the game plans that they tried to utilize with him. But he did nothing to make me think that he is an NFL passer. Like every time he uncorked one, I was like, oh, that thing is moving slow. Like that thing is not traveling with a lot of velocity. Like seriously, if it's a decision between Taysom Hill or Taylor Heineke headed into next season, based on what I've seen from Taylor Heineke, I'd rather roll the dice on Taylor Heineke than Taysom Hill as my quarterback. It's so weird. What was that story about? you know, Sean Payton when he was suspended for a year because of the flight gate and he was coaching that peewee team and he got his ass beat because uh, they were running like the single wing, which is like a quarterback running <laughs> offense. And he was like, I don't know how to defend this because I've never seen this in the NFL. Right. Wow. But we, we've, we've seen this offense before. Like you can look at like what Cam has done over his career. You can look at some of like what, you know, Kaepernick has done. You can see what like Lamar has done. There's kind of ways to combat this stuff. And, Taysom isn't those guys, you know, at the same time. Like, he's not as big as Cam. He's not as physical as Cam. He's not as much of a long strider as Kaepernick was. He's not as dynamic as Lamar is, right? So you're kind of getting, like, a lesser version of that. And, like, I feel like it's kind of solved to a certain extent. Like, you sure, you certainly get constraints when there's a running quarterback. But I don't know if Taysom is good enough with the ball in his hand to, like, overcome what he is as a passer, you know? Yeah, I think that's a good point. You, All those guys you mentioned are like playmakers when the ball is in their hand. No matter how you can describe it, no matter how you want to talk about it, they just find ways to make plays when the ball is in their hand. That's not Taysom Hill. That's it. Yeah. The only things I can think of are times I've been furious that he's stolen touchdowns from Alvin Kamara. <laughs> line. Uh, those are my only memories of Taysom Hill, and they're all infuriating for me. But let's take a quick timeout right here. Uh, When we get back on NFL University, we're going to talk about what's going on with Russell Wilson and the Patriots keep cooking. Is it time that we take them a little bit more seriously? That's coming up next. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? 
Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. I have some exciting news for you, class. Your time starts now. NFL. Crash course? This doesn't happen very often. You're going to enjoy this one. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. We got to talk about our guy, Dangerous, because he's not very dangerous right now in Russell Wilson. Uh, since coming back from that finger injury, he has looked bad. And I don't know if there's something more going on. It seems like he's just refusing to target DK Metcalf. Like he's mad at him or something, something going off, off the, off the field. Like that's total speculation by me, but I feel like Russell is mad at DK Metcalf for something. This offense is in shambles. Uh, I feel like it's safe to say that the Seahawks season is over and it feels like things are just kind of falling apart in Seattle. And like Russell Wilson's time might be done there with Pete Carroll in this organization. Yeah, so after the game, he said that he was healthy, which probably not something you want to admit after you played like that. You had a, an out. He doesn't look healthy. I mean, he came back early. He's not, he's not healthy. They said the yeah. same thing after the Packers game where Pete Carroll was like, his finger isn't an issue. We don't have to worry about that. Like, okay, why isn't Russ going under center then? Right. We could, You can tell by it was maybe it was a third down miss to Gerald Everett underneath. When he misses a guy by like three or four yards, Russell Wilson's not healthy. Um, their offense looks inept. They can't get any sort of push up front, like their offensive line is not good. So they can't run the ball. They were over-reliant on Chris Carson. So now that they don't have the running back, they don't have an offensive line that can get a push, and they're running or they're passing offense, their scheme, who knows? It doesn't feel like it's married to her. It doesn't feel like it's supposed to be um, how it it's should be. It's just shot run. plays. Yeah, it's based it on always is, have. man. It's it always one, two, is. Three, heave it, and hope that DK Metcalf, hope you get a pass interference. But you would think that, if I was a play caller for Seattle, Tyler Lockett would lead the league in targets. Like You should just go at him all day, every day, because whenever they give him the ball, good things happen, but they don't really seem to have a plan. And that is a problem. And it's really, as you mentioned, just shot plays, hoping that they get to a third manageable situation, which doesn't happen. And when that's not the case, it's, hey, roll the ball out. Russ, we're going to we're going to run this guy deep. We're going to run this guy deep. You pick an option and let's hope it works. And it's just hasn't at all. And then on the other side of the ball, their defense just can't get a stop. I think they had three stops in, in a row. But outside of that, Washington was able to run all over them. Um, they held the ball time and time again. Seattle also makes a lot of dumb freaking penalties like they could not get out of their own way in the last game. And that's just really how the, the whole season has gone, man. Not good at any level. And they're small and slow. All bad combinations to have in football. <laughs> Washington also puts that game away if their kicker was healthy. If their kicker didn't get hurt, right. they they kicked that short little chip shot, but they had to go for it on fourth because their kicker was out and they didn't trust their punter or their holder, whatever whatever it must have been. But that, that end of game situation kind of explains who the Seahawks were, right? They get the ball. They have to go all, you know, the, the length of the field. When they have to go shot plays, they have, you know, they're a real threat to be like a one-shot team in terms of like that team speed, right? Like Lockett, DK, Russell Wilson, that is their whole team. Like they don't have very many blue chippers outside of those guys, but then they get close to the goal line. You can't call those shot plays anymore. 
you can't run the ball. Russell Wilson ends up thrown into triple coverage because he can't see over the line of scrimmage. <laughs> like it, it's it's not great. Um, I do think Russ is banged up. It seems like some of the frustration is like, at least if you're reading between the lines, is that Russ probably rushed back to the field and his team knows that. Like DK, when he got ejected in the Packers game, they asked him why he got ejected or why he threw a punch. And his ex- excuse was, I'm tired of losing. That's not great. And then Geno Smith went on Twitter and was like, I want to say something, but I know I can't. And then deleted the tweet. So it's like, there's clearly frustration, here, right? Like there's clearly frustration here. Russ is probably, we're probably like two or three weeks away from Russ dropping his list of, you know, where I would like to be traded if I were to be traded, but I don't want to be traded. Like, okay, sure. Um, it just seems like this experiment is over. Like the cupboard is very bare in Seattle the Jamal Adams trade is hurting them. The fact that they traded, they, they picked that TCU defensive lineman. Who's like a healthy scratch for him. Like in the first round, like they just haven't been a good drafting team recently. Russell Wilson can only overcome so much. And the fact that they've enabled him to play hero ball to the point where he's now playing games when he probably shouldn't be playing games is a problem. Yeah. There was a play where I think DK Metcalf was like wide open and Russell didn't even look at him. And then he went to the sideline, like noticeably frustrated. And Geno Smith, like, ran over to him and was like, It's all yeah. right. Man. Like, Geno's, Geno's over here, like, I got you. Just as soon as they he put me back in, I, I got you, man. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Geno's over here trying to try to hype his guys up because he's trying to get back on the football field. Geno's like, I'm not losing the locker room. Not again. <laughs> not again. Team, I've learned man. my lesson. Yeah. Learned my lesson. Yeah. I, I do think he probably rushed back because. He's ever missed time before. That, yeah. That's a new feeling for Russell Wilson. And so he probably was eager to get back and like prove, oh, I can take this team on a run or something like that. But it's not working. Nobody's doubting the talent of they Russell Wilson. They did that Wilson. whole thing too of like March Madness in, in November. It starts now and then you lose to Washington. Like <laughs> how much, how long can you do this raw, raw stuff before it just like completely falls off the rails and you're like, wow, that was all a lie. I think we're there. That's yeah. what this is, right? Yeah. 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 I think that's I think that's exactly where we're at. Like I think it's I think it's best for everyone if Russell lands somewhere else next year. I, I do think that too, it's you're in a bad spot when you lose Chris Carson and then all of a sudden your offense like stops looking functional because your backup running back is Alex Collins and you're just like well, we want to run the ball and play action, but we can't run the ball, and so the play action's not working, so we have no idea what's going on anymore. Russ, Carolina, no offensive line. Best of luck. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I'd still like to see him throw to TJ more personally. But uh, let's talk about these New England Patriots who all of a sudden it feels like we should have seen this coming, right? Like we should have known you can't hold Belichick down for very long. The Patriots defense looks like it is just one of the most sound defenses in the NFL. They create turnovers. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Matthew Judon was one of the best offseason signings across the league. He's been an absolute monster. And Mac Jones just does what they ask of him. Like, they don't put him in bad situations. He doesn't wow you. He he doesn't, uh, at least for me, I don't come away from Mac Jones games being like, okay, he like he's the reason they won that football game. I think they're just what you expect from Bill Belichick. They're just one of the best coach coach teams and all of football. And we're seeing that this year with a reloaded roster. That's actually got some talent on it. Defensive players who came back and 
they're good. They're a good football team that I think can give some teams some problems, but long-term I don't have any faith of like the Patriots being somebody you should be worried about in the postseason. So like a month ago or so, we were thinking that the Patriots are a team that would sneak into the playoffs, upset somebody in the wild card round and then get bounced in the divisional round. And now they're potentially going to be the number one seed and have a potentially playoff buy. And you're going to have to go to Foxborough. Their defense is unbelievable, man. They have guys who are fierce. Matt Judon, Matt Judon, obviously defense player of the year, but their safeties and nobody really talks about their safeties for obvious reasons, but their safeties are really, really good, really physical. Adrian Phillips is a guy who probably would be getting like Pro Bowl recognition if, you know, he didn't, he's a Patriot. So I don't know, but you have, what's the other guy's name? I forgot what his name is. Um, Duggar? Duggar, yeah, Duggar. Is, Duggar is a really good football player too. Like these guys are, so Phillips is undersized, but he's incredibly physical. You have Duggar who can cover. He plays like a linebacker. He plays like a linebacker. everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Like he, these guys can go all over the field. And then you have Devin McCourty up top. You have JC Jackson, who maybe that's the guy Trevon Diggs wants to be. Yeah. Like he can Lance. actually cover and turn the ball over. Um, they are just really sound up front, as you mentioned. And then on the other side of the ball, they just smash through the mouth, man. They run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. You you know it's coming. You're not going to be able to stop it. And then they have just little parts of their offense where they can sneak Kendrick Bourne across the formation, get open routes down the field. They're really impressive. I don't want to say they're the best team in football, but they are probably the most complete or just the most entertaining from a physical standpoint to watch. I don't agree with the Patriots aren't a scary team in the playoffs take. Um 538 right now has the Patriots as the number one team in the AFC in terms of Super Bowl win percentage. If you go down the list, like there are fatal flaws with a lot of these teams in the AFC, I think. Like if the Pats play the Ravens, the Pats are going to be able to throw at will on that Ravens secondary. If the Pats play the Bills, the Bills are a very soft team, I think. Um, I think just in terms of physicality, they end up winning that. The Titans are all sorts of banged up. The Chargers can't stop the run. That's a nightmare matchup for the chargers if they get them in the playoffs the one team that i think in the afc that like might be able to blow the doors off of the patriots and it's more of a matchup thing than like overall talent i guess is the chiefs because if the chiefs go up two scores the pats just don't have the team speed to be able to make up that distance i think so i think the pats man like they're a legit team and mac jones we don't have to make mac jones out to be something that he's not at this point i know everyone wants to like get in front of Mac Jones is the best rookie quarterback out of the well, – like, the bar is pretty low, guys. The bar is low right now. <laughs> um, I still think that, like, his upside is, like, a Kirk Cousins type of quarterback. But Which is fine. That's there, – on a rookie contract, like, yeah. this is still, like, rebuild. Like, the Patriots are still trying to get out of that money situation. Um, they're going to be better moving forward. I think the Patriots, like – if you want to see say, like, the Patriots are back, the Patriots are probably back. Um they're probably not who they're going to be under like Tom, they were under Tom Brady, but as like a contending team, I, I think they're there already. Like they're a unique team. They play old school football. They play special teams at a crazy rate. Like their special teams numbers are nuts right now. No one talks about that. Um, defensively, they're just sound across the board. Offensively, they're going to give you weird looks. They run plays like in the run game that you don't see often. So it's probably hard to replicate. Uh, in practice and if you don't have that level of physicality in practice you're probably not going to be good at it in game so um I, I i am buying into the pat type a little bit here yeah they're 
I'm not scared of them, but yeah, could is there a scenario where they just go on a run and you're like, damn it, it's Belichick? Then y- yeah, like I could I could totally see that um, because yeah, their defense is going to give people problems, and you know the Kansas City Chiefs obviously they can put up points and they can give any defense problems, but the Patriots have given Patrick Mahomes issues in the past too. Like we saw an AFC championship game a couple of years ago where Mahomes didn't score at all in the first half of that game and then had to just pull off something miraculous in the second half. So the Patriots are a problem. I, I'm not totally convinced that they're like the best team in the AFC, but yeah, I think they are absolutely a problem in a conference that it still feels like it's totally wide open. Uh, you mentioned Mac Jones possibly developing into like a Kirk Cousins esque type of quarterback. We got to mention Kirk Cousins, and I don't know if he was confused, just looked at the wrong guy, what was happening. But Kirk forgot who snaps the ball <laughs> in a live football game, and Dalvin Cook had to be like, "No, man, get under center. You're <laughs> under the guard right now." And you know, he was asked about it after the game, and it was just simply like. I just I just got confused. Like I just went to the wrong guy. It's a heat of the moment thing. I feel like anybody could possibly do it. But it says a lot about the Vikings season where it seems like the Vikings each and every week just absolutely no idea how the games are going to go. And then they somehow come down to a game winning field goal at the end. They are a fun team to watch, man. They will make every game exciting. We should just put the Vikings every week on primetime football because the ratings would, well, the ratings are always going to be good, but the ratings would be at an all-time high with old Kirk throwing the ball. His receivers do not like him. I do not care what anybody says. If you watch their reactions whenever he misses them, it looks like Jefferson wants to swing on him, and I'm not exaggerating at all. After that two-point conversion, Jefferson's like taking his helmet off, wants to get out of here. He wants nothing to do with Kirk. Um, that interception was really bad. That pretty much took the game away from them, put him behind, and then it was tough to recover from there. He threw it right to the linebacker. It was not any sort of complex coverage. It was the most basic cover three. They ran a receiver right to the linebacker, so it's not like he had to buzz all the way out to the um, to the flat. He just went like two yards. Kirk threw it right to him, and they was fortunate it wasn't a pick six, but some of the mistakes he makes are just so tough to overcome, man, and it's like they're probably going to make the playoffs still, I think, just because they have a talented roster and the rest of the NFC is not good. So by default, they might get in, but it'll be tough for Kirk not to be Kirk in the playoffs. And it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. But uh, not having Dalvin Cook, if he is out for the season, I, I know they said he's not out yet, but he's going to be a big loss just because you saw in that game. They give him the ball once 40 yards. They give him ball another time. He takes off on the screen. He is uh, really explosive and they're going to need that. He is so frustrating. If you watch him, not this past week, but the week before against Green Bay, the big three guys in Minnesota had something like 360 yards combined between Jefferson Thielen and Dalvin Cook. And it looked like you watched that game and you're like Kirk Cousins operating from the pocket, like inside the pocket. The only quarterbacks better than him in that situation, like if you look at like that Packers game singularly, it's like Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. That's probably it. And then you watch him this game and he makes that, you know, that interception that like high school, co- like high school right. quarterbacks would get ripped by the time they hit the sideline. If they threw that ball, he goes under the wrong player for, for the snap under center. Remind you, this is the same Kirk Cousins who once kneeled when he was supposed to spike at, you know, at the goal line and like basically cost his team seven points 
um, at the end of at the end of a first half. Just what a weird roller coaster you have to go through him. He, he feels like uh, you know when you like shop for stuff on Amazon and you're like AirPods. Let me get AirPods on Amazon. They're like we have these AirPods that were made for like uh, twenty dollars. Do you want these AirPods instead? <laughs> like Kirk, Kirk Cousins is like the Amazon uh, Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's not going to work. You never know, man. Like the reviews, they're kind of up and down. And sometimes they make a lot of people frustrated. And sometimes those guys writing the reviews or, you know, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Mike Zimmer, um, just a weird quarterback, man. Like sometimes he has it. Sometimes he does it. And I don't know if there's any quarterback more volatile in terms of like being that like game manager type of quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's the thing. He's really good at throwing the ball down the field, though. Like, And when he does yes. that, he does it very well. You mentioned last week against the Packers. At the same time, Savage could have had, like, three picks. I know he had one taken off the yeah. board. So, like, he gives you opportunities. And all this 21-2 to talk, which he had coming in, it's so obvious when you watch him. Like, he will give you a chance. But he also has these plays where, like, in the last game against the 49ers, the pocket is collapsed. He has nowhere to step. He still hits Jefferson down the sideline on a corner route. Like, not a lot of people can make that play. So it, I understand why it is frustrating to watch him. But there's so much evidence of him just being a dumbass, for lack of better words. Like, that's <laughs> how he plays. And that's who he is, man, at this point. It does perfectly encapsulate the Kirk Cousins experience of him trying to take a snap from under the guard. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, Justin Jefferson just seeing, like, the exact same body language that Stefan Diggs, what he had there, and, and the frustration with the way he plays sometimes. Like, it feels like it's the exact same situation. Same Kirk Cousins we've all been used to, but he keeps going on these runs where we're like, maybe he's good, and then he does what Kirk Cousins always does. So the other thing it out of the end like, zone on fourth down. <laughs> yeah. The other thing, too, is, like, Diggs, Diggs is matched up with Josh Allen now, who's a very volatile quarterback anyway. And he's like, I love Josh Allen. You know how volatile you have to be on a down-to-down <laughs> basis where the guy moves to Josh Allen and is like, I love the consistency of this guy. Like, my dude. Oh, my goodness. And before we get, get out of here, we do have to talk about the Miami Dolphins, who have all of a sudden won four games in a row. Uh, there's a whole Tua conspiracy going on now about whether or not he's actually good. Um, I'm not convinced that Tua's good. I don't think that Tua's bad. I think that Tua can be a fine NFL starting quarterback in the right situation. I just don't think the Miami Dolphins are a very good situation at the moment, but I think the reason they've won four games in a row is because Brian Flores has gotten some things figured out on defense. They look a little bit more like we thought they were early going to look early in the season. And they're putting Tua in like favorable game script situations where they're not asking him to do too much, but I don't have any faith in this Dolphins team long-term. Like they simply don't throw the football down the field. They're not a good offense. They're not fun to watch at all like <laughs> I, it's I, is there any like to a conspiracy that you feel like should be validated because of this four game win streak or is this all just uh we're just getting caught up in the middle of a four game win streak yeah i mean they beat the panthers right <laughs> let's let's yeah. look at the teams that they have that they have beat and you should give flores a little bit of credit because their defense has turned around a little bit instead of running man coverage on every play and now you're people who are supposed to be in the fit are no longer in the fit. He moves to zone and they're able to get more stops. They're good players started making plays, but, and also my guy, Jalen, Jalen Phillips is coming along on the edge. He looked good last game. Still, 
their offense. Miles Gaskin is their running back. That is not a good thing. They're, they're, I love Jalen Waddle to death, and he will be very, very good. But so long as RPO Tua is under center, and this is what they do, this is what their offense consists of, is fake, slant, fake, slant, fake, slant, then think about the teams at the top of the AFC. What would Bill Belichick do in the playoffs against Tua? That would be an undress. That would be not fair. Like, we have to call that game. Running clock type of situation there. So um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be a guy that, you know, trust the Dolphins moving forward. It's great that they won four games in a row, but it's not like they just beat like the Browns, Ravens, Bills, and Pats. That's not what we just witnessed at all. Yeah, so since week six, I'm looking at uh, Ben Baldwin's site. Tua's uh, CPOE, which is like basically like uh, completion, like value added relative to like pass made um, in terms of like depth, right? Um, Number one in the league. If you look at his EPA per play, uh, top five EPA and CPOE composite, he's number one in the league. Guys, just settle down here. Settle down. I, I understand the Dolphins fans are tired of being called to a non. Okay? Four in a row. I, look, I understand. I get the frustrations. You guys are being attacked right now. I'm just letting you know the other shoe's going to drop on this like two attack of my little efficiency thing. Do not get overhyped on this. It, it it really does feel like remember that first golf year when golf like went through the roof people were like should he be the mvp and everyone watching those rams games were like no he shouldn't be the mvp what are you talking about it seems like miami's spamming basically like from like a play structure standpoint right spamming plays on first and second down that are more efficient than the league realizes and they the league doesn't realize like you need to cover these plays more especially if you're seeing it like you know miami's doing the other shoe's going to drop. There's going to be some way that they're going to figure out. They're going to play man against RPOs or something like that, and it's just going to be a simple answer on how to stop this stuff. And two is going to end up looking like less efficient down the line. And then everyone who's saying two and on is going to be vindicated. And I just need the Dolphins fans to realize, like, just be steady. Don't overreact either way. It's going to be okay. You're probably not going to make the playoffs. We'll see what Tua looks like next year when he you know, has a full healthy season or something like that. Um, you guys probably aren't trained for Deshaun Watson like you guys thought you were, you know, this past off season. But just know, like, Tua is not the second coming of Dan Marino. It's it's not happening, guys. They play the Giants this week. Patrick Graham is going to take away no, the slant from number two, and we will see what Tua is capable of. I, I feel like it's more likely that Tua has a Cam Newton game from last week where he's like five of twenty-one uh, here in the near future than it is the Dolphins coming. actually like going you on a run. It's and making a, a playoff game. Like, it's just, they're not a very good football team. They've turned it around, strung together four wins in a row. Like, that's a nice little midseason story to boost you. I like Brian Flores. Uh, I, I like to see that he's turning the defense around. But, yeah, they're just not a good football team. The other, the other thing, I'm looking at this list. Out of the 25 quarterbacks who are qualifiers to a third lowest air yards per attempt. That's that's not a shock, guys. Like quarterbacks, the, the the way to win with quarterbacks, there's no other way to 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 cut it, man. Throwing the ball deep downfield, efficient post. That is what we measure quarterbacks by. The fact that two is getting this off of like RPOs and stuff. Be happy that your coaching staff is taking advantage of an inefficiency in NFL defenses right now because they're not seeing all these college concepts. But I don't think that. I don't think that Tua playing the way that he is 
with the efficiency clip that he's playing at right now is, is long for this world, guys. I'm just letting you know right now. Hashtag throw the post. TTP. If the quarterback doesn't throw the post, he cannot be trusted. That's how I evaluate it, baby. Yes. You have to throw the football down the field. It seems so simple, but so many teams continue to struggle with it in the modern-day NFL. Uh, Before we get out of here, we do have to ask that you guys please subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on the SB Nation NFL show, uh, specifically NFL University. We would very much appreciate it if you left a kind five-star review. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can follow KP at KP underscore show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week.